make sure that they're not getting snuck up on. Yeah, they have an awesome sense of just what's going on, you know, with their smell or their hearing to where mm -hmm. I see him perk up and I it kind of alerts me like, oh, there's something I need to be watching for or I need to stop what I'm doing and recheck my surroundings really fast. You're listening to the Nick Ant Podcast, a podcast that dives into the lives and stories of creatives, entrepreneurs, and outdoor enthusiasts. My name is Nick Amp, and I'm a filmmaker and photographer best known for documenting stories in the mountains. We sit down with guests to uncover where they pull inspiration from, dig into their experiences in the outdoor industry, and find a ton of actionable inspiration from their adventures in life. This is episode 16, and our guest today does not live in the lower 48 of the United States. She lives in the Kenai, Alaska. She's a lifestyle photographer, UGC creator, co-business owner, a mother. She's always keeping it real on the gram. Without further ado, we're introducing Carly Patra. Carly, it's great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Carly just uh, started off. Who are you and how did you get here to this moment? And before you answer, think about it in terms of your creative side and maybe how that might have affected the way you are today with your photography and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm Carly Patterday. Close on the last name, though. Um, how I got kind of where I'm at now. It's it's really weird. Um, and it's kind of like hard to explain, but sorry, I have a moose outside. It has lost complete concentration. <laughs> Welcome to mm -hmm. Alaska. <laughs> um, it was never like where I'm at, who I am. It wasn't necessarily like it just kind of happened. It wasn't like a goal. Uh, it, it's it's a really long story. It wasn't really like necessarily what I was trying to go for. And uh, it was more of, you're going to laugh. I was trying to tease my brother. And then it just sort of stuck. It sort of snowballed its way down. And then uh, within a few months, I ended up finding myself as being I don't want to say an influencer, but a content creator. Um, I don't know where to really go from that. Uh, believe it or not, I'm not a creative person. So it was no. difficult for me. I am not. I went to school for civil engineering. <laughs> so it was difficult for me at first, definitely getting into photography. Um, it was more so teasing my brother, uh, he lives actually in California, and so I used to send him a lot of just iPhone videos and photos of where I lived and how pretty it was and how jealous he was getting. And one day he just called me. He was being sarcastic, and he was like, okay, Ansel Adams. And I was like, I had to Google <laughs> who that was at first. <laughs> um, and then uh, I just started trying to be more creative with the photos I was sending him watching random YouTube videos and then it started getting a little bit better and it was one day I was just bored and I was like you know I'm gonna buy this cheap Canon camera and just see what happens and 
being a content lifestyle creator was never in the picture. I just wanted to take pretty photos to share with my brother. (laughs) And uh, it almost happened overnight. I was just approached by a local brand that had asked to use my a print of mine on one of their sweaters. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then they started asking me to do their photography because they needed help with it. And I said, you know, I've never done it before, but I could try. Um, and then it kind of just snowballed from there to where I'm now a lifestyle photographer on Instagram and getting paid to do it. Wow. So <laughs> you weren't even... You weren't even trying to get paid for it at that time. I wasn't trying. (laughs) So how long ago from that moment to now has that been? That was last summer. Oh, wow. You just. Yeah. It's been like nine months. Wow. That is amazing. You've been producing some great work in a short amount of time. I mean. Thank you. There's not a lot of photographers or creators who can improve that quickly. And to be making money like that, that's just, let me give you a little clap right there. (laughs) So something I want to dig in. Yeah. Being a mother, co-owner, photographer, all while staying active on social media. That's a lot. How do you balance your personal life and your professional commitments? Um... It's difficult. Most It's most days just running around with anxiety and panic, hoping I can get it all done um, with two little kids. (laughs) But luckily, um, being a business owner with my husband, he's able to step in a lot of times that I have other obligations to make. Um, But it does get tricky. It's a lot of work. And so it, it looks like on Instagram that I'm out doing amazing things all day, every day. And realistically... Most days of the week, I am at a shop or editing photos or doing other business-related stuff with two kids. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, a lot of it's multitasking. So I was at a photo shoot earlier with both my kids. It was it, it has its challenges, but luckily, most people that I work with are understanding. Right. And- no, I mean... I totally understand just, well, I'm not a dad, but <laughs> all the other stuff is, it's a lot of work and including the other one out there is even more. So round awesome stuff. Um, so photography was just some side thing and you've had this business for a couple of years probably. Mm. And so all that photography was just for fun. Do you see yourself pushing further into this photography profession? Yeah, I have been making, now I've been actually making plans and coming at it more methodically than what I initially did. Um, But yeah, it's growing quite a bit. Definitely in the near future, hopefully it's a little bit more profitable. It's a little bit more set in stone. Um, I did just become a official business um, for my photography earlier in the year. Um, so that was, that was one step towards that. 
That is amazing. So one thing I want to dig deep into because Alaska as a whole is genuinely considered a rural area. So not a lot of people. So how have you navigated collaborations living in a rural area? I mean, is there any other uh, challenges that you could give advice to to other people who live maybe in not a big city? So a lot of what I have been doing has been outsourcing to other companies, either um, some in Anchorage, but others in the lower 48. So that is one thing that's helping, and it's all remote at that point. Um, Living where I do in a rural area, that's still fairly, I I guess, old school. Um, It's a lot of word of mouth. It's a lot of getting out and talking with people, and that's what they prefer. So a lot of the more local stuff I have done, it has been building a reputation with multiple different businesses locally and talking to them and letting them know what I can do, how I can help them. It's a little bit more different than, I guess, what is it's is done in the lower 48. A lot of it is more, I guess, it, I don't want to say advanced, but less done, I would say, just going to a business and talking with the people. Mm-hmm. The one thing I know, because I come from a small town too, so I can totally relate to what you're saying is that relationship building. And something I've heard from another photographer was carry your fancy camera down Everywhere. the street of mm-hmm. where the business is at. Even offer to take like a couple photos, say I'll get them back to you in like an hour, say you just edit them right there on the spot. And then give them a couple free ones and maybe they inquire for your photography packages and then you can get them on a retainer client. Hmm. So your spot on relationship building is huge. That's great that you're able to um, acknowledge that where you live. So one thing uh, I want to dig into on the other side, what are some common myths living out in Alaska? Uh, the basic ones, like we don't have roads or we live in igloos or, um, my, I, I, there's a lot of people surprised that I have a Walmart where I live about 30 minutes away. Um, so those are like some basic ones about living in Alaska. People are assuming that we all live in the bush. Um, that's not the case for most Alaskans. Most of the state is unaccessible by vehicle, but most Alaskans don't live in those areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, a majority of Alaskans, I think it's like 70% of the population lives on the road system. And we have, at least most of the areas, they have large stores. We have grocery stores. We have things, <laughs> vehicles included. Uh, so that's, I guess, a big misconception up here. Not that we have everything that you might find in the lower 48, but we we have enough to make it work. Another thing about Alaska, you guys have the cold weather. And I remember on a post that you mentioned talking about the Kenai weather, talking about when to visit. It's like opposite of what you would expect. Could you explain a little bit more on that part? 
thinking of like the nice weather, we have snow six months out of the year. That's not the case for all of Alaska, but in my area, there's snow on the ground six months out of the year. Thinking of spring to summer, which is when most people come to visit, our spring is generally dry. There's less bugs and it's generally dry. Come July, August, going into September, it's raining. August, it rained every day last year. And so for the lower, at least most places in the lower 48, you would think August, that's normally the warm, dry, you know, dry month. Here, it's not the case. <laughs> it, it was kind of weird to get used to that. Because growing up, I grew up in Oregon. And so oh, okay. spring, it was supposed to be raining. Uh-huh. And this has been an unusually wet May so far. Like, it's still snowing, which is kind of odd. But normally it's it's dry, it's dusty, and, and starting to get warm. So you get that more deserty feel, feel in, the, mm. in the springtime. And so when people ask, like, when's the best month to come? It's hard to tell them because it's like, what are you looking for? Some people are expecting to come in August and that it's going to be warm and dry and then they come and it's 40 degrees and raining. And it's not really what's expected. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not because like you said, so you grew up in Oregon. Mm -hmm. You're used to the wet season being earlier and then late June, July, potentially August, more of the sun is out in Oregon, if Mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So that's just, I would imagine that we would be a, a change. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of curious to know what your motivations are behind your personal brand. You post about Alaskan life. You keep it real. You're pushing authentic- authenticity. And you share all your adventures over there in the Kenai. Uh-huh. Can you just explain what your motivations are behind all of that? A lot of it has to do with how much I guess my followers enjoy it, how much they appreciate it, some of the stuff that they're taking away from it. Um, If I didn't get good feedback on what I was sharing or posting or what I was doing, I probably wouldn't continue. Mm. Um, But just seeing how many people appreciate it I was, it, it kind of helps to make me want to continue sharing all of that. Um, but yeah, it's mostly so, my followers that are at this point helping me with that. Right. And they say the best way to learn what direction to go in your niche is to listening what the people are asking. Like maybe they might ask you, yo, what are the best lakes to go to in the Kenai or in the Alaska region or simply, I want to see more photos of you um, photographing animals, simple things Mm -hmm. like that. So you hit it spot on. And I'm just kind of curious for, so people who listen to this podcast, they're photographers or creatives, you just see creators, outdoorsy people. And some of them, are more interested in making the money side. Mm-hmm. And what advice would you give them, especially if they do not have anybody reaching out to them 
individually to work for them to give them take photos for them uh one thing that i definitely learned i'm still learning how to reach out to different businesses and Mm -hmm. i've 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 been able to become friends with a few local brands and asking them for their input like what do they appreciate the most so if you do have any friends in business of any sort asking them um how would you i guess like to be approached or how would you like to um start off that relationship with a photographer uh asking them but then also not being afraid to ask to get paid i've been asked so many times just to take photos um for free and telling them sorry i can't but this is what i can offer you there's a lot of times where they're like okay yeah i'll pay that and it's just asking you have to ask um most of the time people uh, uh, until you get bigger until you get well known they're not going to come to you and offer you a paid gig you could kind of say um so just don't be afraid to ask set you are able to set kind of i guess your own worth how much is your time worth and you let them know that you have to set that boundary or you will just get taken advantage of by other i don't i don't want to say taken advantage but they will try getting things for free and so to get paid you got to ask <laughs> right you don't get we don't ask for exactly so being in alaska do you feel like that's kind of giving you an advantage or maybe just made you stand out to be a little more unique compared to other photographers in the lower 48 because you kind of have a different background mm-hmm. of where you take photos. So when brands come approach you, like you can say, you tell them, this is what I could do at this area. Yeah, so it, it's been an advantage and it's also been somewhat of a disadvantage. Um, I, I have had brands reach out because they specifically wanted their... I think it was a clothing line, but they specifically wanted it shown in Alaska. Um, And it was kind of an advantage where I'm at because there wasn't currently a lot of lifestyle photographers doing that in Alaska. There's a few of us, but the market's fairly small. You know, there's not many of us out here. Uh, So it has been an advantage. Unfortunately, working with a lot of local brands has been a disadvantage because there's not many of them reaching out or wanting photography services, UCG services of anything like that. Um, so it does have its its pros and cons where I'm at, but it's probably like that with wherever. But there has been quite a few brands that specifically they wanted someone in Alaska because they wanted the Alaska feel. They wanted that Alaska backdrop with their items. And so that's cool. It's fun getting to show that that part of where I live, just how pretty it is. So, Right. I, When I found your account, I think what really stuck out was that you were from Alaska. I mean, I don't know many people on the Instagram space that are like posting daily Alaskan content. So that's why one who definitely stuck out. Mm-hmm. And I also followed this girl, Danielle Lister. She lives in the Yukon, which is not far out from where you're at. So... She's like the only one in the Yukon that I know really that posts about the Yukon. So that's what makes her so unique. Uh-huh. Same for you. You're posting in an area that only around 7,000 people, 700,000 people live in the total state. Mm-hmm. There's thir- there's 39 million people in California alone. 
Mm-hmm. So of course there's going to be less. So when you're out there and you're posting, sharing this unique, beautiful area, you're going to stand out. So kudos to you there. And I think people who niche down to where they live, maybe it's somewhere like a specific area. Like you, you're literally Carly on the Kenai. So that's literally mm-hmm. no wonder why you stick out. So <laughs> um, to dig a little further with creating UGC content, what were some challenges that you found forming ideas and trying to tell a story? I mean, you say you've only been at this for nine months. Like, yeah. What has been your learning curve trying to figure out how to tell a story? Um. So when I first started, it was all landscape. It was all wildlife photography. And that was making me, I don't want to say I'm doing this UCG just because it makes me stick out. But doing like the wildlife and the landscape. I wasn't sticking out. There are so many amazing Alaskan wildlife and landscape photographers. And so trying to stick out in that aspect has been extremely difficult. Um, and so when I was approached by this brand locally that wanted to use my photo and uh, then wanted me to help them with their photography, I was finding just doing basic product photography, getting into it kind of I guess foreign, that wasn't really what I got into photography for, was to take photos of items. And, you know, product photography can be absolutely amazing. Um, But I didn't have the space to do, like, traditional product photography. I didn't have the space or the items or really the know-how on how to do it. And that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, And so I had just an idea. Let's take it out in the middle of someplace and still utilize the landscape photography or the wildlife photography, whatever it might be, um, with the product. And so getting to do that, it's helped to develop, I guess, my skill set with the product for like with the product side of the photography. Um, and it's making it more enjoyable for me. And so it's been just a learning curve in general. Um, slowly getting at it but getting to add a story in there um, to make it more I guess relatable make it to where people want to look at it and they resonate with the items more so or resonate with what I'm seeing in the captions more so it it took practice it definitely wasn't something that I, it just came to me and I learned how to do it. Um, but yeah. That's great. I'm still learning. So, <laughs> we're always still learning. I made that same transition from landscape and not much while I would just landscape photography. Mm-hmm. Be, you call it adventure photography mm-hmm. to a full formed business where you're making money doing stuff that the business the businesses need so you're serving their needs so product mm-hmm. photography lifestyle photography that's uh, you said it great i mean literal foreign to me i was like wait i thought i was about to take photos <laughs> that was pretty good but then i'm taking these photos of the product i'm like i'm still learning that. yeah it's yeah. definitely a whole other ball game it's a whole other type of photography it's like learning how to do just video it's, yeah, I can use a camera. I'm good at using a camera. Let's do video. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. So just 
figuring out how I can use it to what skill set I have and how can I develop it further, but not have it be so daunting Mm -hmm. and have it be completely something different. And then it was helping to keep it in the, I guess, kind of the genre of photography that I enjoyed doing, which was outdoor adventure photography, getting to show my hiking adventures and stuff like that with the items. Right. I was going to ask you how you approach working with UGC content and incorporating it into your main Instagram feed. So most of the, I, I, I'll i do certain things for certain companies. Sometimes I just take photos for companies and I send them back to them. For the stuff that I'm showing on my feed, those are companies that I've either reached out to or that they've reached out to me that... I've told them it fits what I'm doing. It fits my life in Alaska and I'm okay with showing that. And then personalizing it to where like my dogs and the photos with it. So I did like a photo shoot for Geniverse and bullets in like every single photo with their generators. And I'm just making it like having fun with the whole, the whole thing. And I think that definitely personalizing it to me and not just like, hey, look, here's this product. People are seeing me using it. They're seeing me in the photos with it. And then my dog also helping. And it it makes it to where posting it on my Instagram, it just feels natural. It's not like a forced post that doesn't look fitting. Yeah, because we've all seen those posts where... It's just a random sponsored post in the middle of yeah that doesn't even blend. Yeah. So just making it fit my life. And those, I've been reached by brands that their products themselves don't necessarily fit what I'm, I'm posting and I'll tell them that and that I don't want to put it on my Instagram, at least on like my, my feed itself. Um, but I, I'd offer them photography services and uh, most of them are really understanding they they see that and they they realize that I'm trying to be authentic with what I'm posting Mm -hmm. and you know nothing against their products nothing against their brand but it just doesn't fit necessarily what I'm sharing with everyone and so got to keep it real with with my audience (laughs) exactly so what's your favorite camera setup so when you're going out there taking photos whether it's for fun or product photography, because Alaska is not like a place where you bring expensive gear and it's safe, really. What's your go-to setup out there? So I do take, I have my Sony, what is it, a 7 or a 3, and a Sigma lens, and that's what I take with me absolutely everywhere. Um, Alaska isn't safe at all. <laughs> it's rough. I've had to... A lot of people up here, a lot of the photographers you see up here, they're taking like Pelican cases, like something where it's like, it's smash proof, it's waterproof. I have, I had to invest in an actual nice water, water resistant camera bag. So like, those are just some of the things that you have to do. Um, if you, if you want your gear to stay nice. I've tried just hiking and throwing like my camera in like a regular backpack or holding onto it and it not working out, dropping my camera, having my bag get completely soaked, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, 
I just invested how much money into a cam- into a camera body. I just invested how much money into these lenses. You can't do that. You got to spend the extra little bit of money on the gear that's going to help protect your gear. <laughs> um, yeah. You but think I, buying an expensive piece is going to just save you money if you're buying another expensive piece to protect this expensive yeah. piece. Yeah. It's, a, you know, just a snowball effect on just have to keep on buying more and more. <laughs> um, but it is difficult. I've had, so being up here, and it, it's not going to be different to anyone who might live in like the Midwest, but I've had my Sony freeze on me because it got so cold. So there's stuff like that that just happens that you don't anticipate. Yeah. And that's not abnormal to hear up here. Um, photographers, like if you see any of the Aurora photographers they've all complained about the same thing all the little tricks that we try doing to help keep like our batteries warm or our camera from not freezing it's (laughs) it's a different it's a different challenge up here well what do you do uh usually like with my camera batteries if 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 i'm out hiking and it's cold out my batteries i'm normally keeping in my pocket of like my jacket that way it's in kind of getting some of my um, body temperature on it so that way it's not just starting to freeze up but I've had my camera out and had that totally freeze up on me and so trying to keep it like in your jacket or having to go back to your vehicle to heat it back up that's been oh, another oh, one man do you ever have the lens fog up out there oh yeah oh yeah um you just have to wait and let it I guess get to ambient temperatures again to help with the the fogging yeah so you mentioned the capturing the northern lights the auroras and that's been a lot of your recent post whether you're explaining it or just showing some epic photos from it mm-hmm. could you share what your favorite time photographing it is and to how often do you see it up there this area is difficult because we stay f- where we're at so close to like the inlet. It gets cloudy here quite a bit. Um, and so when it's not cloudy, we see them pretty often. This year was a pretty decent year. We were seeing them a couple times a week. Sometimes they're not as good. Like some nights they're really good. Some nights it's like, oh yeah, they're they're out, but they're pretty faint. Um, definitely not anything like what Fairbanks gets because I, I think they get a lot less cloudy weather than we do, Mm -hmm. but we, we do see them pretty regularly. Some of the, the things that I post, I don't see those every single time. Oh, got you. Those are, those are just ones where the, the KP index was, was high. They were. So has seen the lights kind of skewed your opinion of how epic the northern lights are because someone like me living in california we don't ever see the northern lights so to us this is like this crazy magical thing so for you is this like just another day in alaska now uh for some alaskans yes i still get super excited i get excited still like when i see a moose or any wildlife i'm like oh cool and you'll see a lot of, I, I don't want to say, maybe Alaskans that have lived here a longer time than me. Um, they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. 
you know, there's a moose or whatever, the, the lights are out, not that big of a deal. And me still, once, you know, I'm like a kid. I see that I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta go. And I'm out all night trying to <laughs> get photographs of them or videos or time lapse. Um, so for me, I still get really excited. That's amazing. And I don't remember if you mentioned how long have you been in Alaska now? I moved here in 2019. So it hasn't been super long, I think. Four years, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was still get excited, too. That's awesome. <laughs> I remember you you mentioned the moose. You posted something on your story about a moose showing up, like, in your front yard or something like that. Oh, it happens all the time. Uh, right now, with just the time of the year, it is. They're, we still have a lot of snow, and so their food is still somewhat limited. And so they start coming into city cities if you want to count it this as a city um areas because it's they're plowed it's easy for them to walk around and it's plowed um and so my chicken coop has been like a hot spot they're either trying to get in or they're trying to find like the scraps all around the chicken coop for food um and so the moose we see them all the time oh Moose are scary. I mean, I don't think I've seen one up close. I was in Wyoming. We saw the elk. We mm -hmm. saw the grizzlies. But I'm not sure if I saw a moose. And they're pretty aggressive, right? If you, They can be. Um, I've been five feet away from a moose on accident. And they just look at me like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, but I've also been 20 feet away from a moose and completely threw the moose off to where it wanted to charge me um so it just depends if they're hungry and irritated they can be really mean sometimes they're not you don't want to test it though because they are pretty big <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it's so, the alaskan moose right yeah they're the biggest moose subspecies so the the alaskan and yukon they're they're the same um obviously if you live in the yukon you're not going to call them the alaskan moose so uh, but yeah, they get big, they can be aggressive, and so you just want to assume that they're always going to be aggressive, and you just keep your space from them. But um, I'll have to send it to you. We recently had in our local movie theater, a it was a tiny little moose. It was like a, oh. maybe like a yearling, but it walked into the movie theater and started eating popcorn. And there's like the security cam videos and like the the poor girl behind the counter I'm just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> There's this little, you know, yearling moose just walking in, eating popcorn off the ground and checking out the trash cans and um, stuff like that will happen fairly regularly. They just walk into businesses. So, I mean, if it's happening regularly, them walking into businesses, so you're taking photos out there in nature, whether you're hiking, maybe it's for... A job you're doing or simply you're just taking cool photos uh -huh. do you ever get like nervous that you're going to encounter a moose or maybe even a grizzly have you seen grizzlies out there yeah 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 um in our area they're referred to more as brown bears and it has they're pretty much the same um but yeah i've been out hiking and have had close encounters with moose and brown bears black bears um, I haven't, that I know of, had a really close encounter with, like, a wolf yet um, that I know of. <laughs> you know, there's always that. Yeah, Most right. of the time, uh, practicing, like, just 
animal like safe uh hiking techniques for in bear country or just with moose being around um it's important something you always want to do and it's helped me quite a few times not have negative animal encounters so it's just something that you learn to live with up here (laughs) Um, even walking outside and checking my surroundings um, because they are in my yard all the time Uh, it's just one of those things where if you walk out and you don't look both ways there could be a moose and you could upset it (laughs) or there could be a bear and you could upset it you know i always say uh man california we do city hiking like even though i go in the back country of here in the sierra nevada Uh we don't gotta worry about moose we don't gotta worry about wolves we don't gotta worry about grizzly bears (laughs) because they're all gone out of our area we used to have them back in the day so i remember i was terrified to go start hiking in wyoming knowing that there was wolves moose and grizzlies yeah. And Alaska is even more remote than those areas. So the fact that you can say uh, that you can go in your front yard and next thing there's a moose, that's something that most people, they're not familiar with. Yeah. Um, it's different, definitely. <laughs> um, but it's just part of the Alaska life living up here, um, learning to live with animals versus that they're supposed to live away from you. I know that's sort of a thing where people believe, oh, well, you're living in their home and stuff like that. It's like, no, we're living in, we're not, we live together and that's just how Mm -hmm. it's been. Um, And so getting used to the idea that there might be animals outside that are a lot bigger than you and you just gotta watch what you're doing. Uh. You ever had uh, one come up on you when you're taking photos? Like you're just focused on doing what you're doing? Um, I don't think I have. I'm trying to think. I did have, while I was taking photos, a caribou get kind of close to me. And that kind of freaked me out a little bit. They're, they're usually fairly harmless, but they do have pretty good-sized antlers. And so you don't really want to upset them still usually when i'm out taking photos depending on what i'm doing i have bullet with me my dog uh to kind of keep an eye on my surroundings and so he has sort of alerted me if there's been a you know person or another dog or wildlife he starts making noises he starts acting um concerned and so that normally draws my attention away pretty quickly when I notice my dog's a little agitated about something. And so that is also why he's usually in a lot of my photos, because he's just there with me at all times. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I have a friend, of, a ton of friends who go packing, meal packing, and they bring dogs with them too. They don't, they have everything with them. They don't want to make sure that they're not getting snuck up on. Yeah, they have an awesome sense of just what's going on, you know, with their smell or their hearing to where mm-hmm. I see him perk up and I it kind of alerts me like, oh, there's something I need to be watching for or I need to stop what I'm doing and recheck my surroundings really fast. And so he's been a huge so, help. 
yeah oh that's i completely 100 percent agree i would be scared to go by myself out there um transitioning over to your authenticity posts and things like that how what advice could you give someone listening to stay authentic to who they are on maybe it's social media their photography style and things like that um i have found that people relate to me more when i sort of i don't want to say i'm unfiltered but when i start talking more about somewhat personal life or somewhat my own struggles people relate to that um and you you end up getting i i feel like in my own opinion better feedback and so keeping that in mind to not look artificial um Mm -hmm. some that might be more difficult for people to resonate with and they might be less engaged with what you're doing and so making sure that you're checking in with yourself and your goals and your priorities and sharing that helps more people, I, I, I feel like, to want to follow your journey. And so you end up getting that as a huge benefit to yourself. Uh-huh. So Carly, that was well said. I mean, I'm a big advocate of being authentic to who you are. Mm-hmm. That's something that I always preach on here, my social media, and just to people I talk to every day on a conversational level. Because mm-hmm. that's something that a lot of people have a hard time projecting out on social media because you see this pretty image of what travel and outdoors life is supposed mm-hmm. to be like. So good job to you. And where can the people find you to learn more about you? and see what all your upcoming adventures are going to be like. The easiest place is on my Instagram. That's where I post more regularly. That's where I'm more active. Um, I am trying to start a YouTube. Uh, It's just not something I have put a lot of, I don't want to say effort. Um, My time is limited. And so I've been trying to still direct it mostly to my Instagram. And so that's normally if you need to find me where you can, or you can come up to Alaska. <laughs> what was the at, at, what was the Instagram? Um, Carly underscore on underscore the underscore canine. It's kind of difficult. Right. <laughs> if you guys didn't get that, it's Carly underscore on underscore the underscore canine. Yep. Is the Alaskan photographer, mother, business owner, and authentic person. Try to be. If you guys aren't following her. If you guys, you guys are <laughs> trying to be, if you're not following her already, highly recommend it because you're going to get a little behind the scenes of what it's like living out there in one of the most remote areas in our country. Yep. So I want to thank you guys all for listening. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. Follow me on Instagram at, at the Nick Camp. And again, thanks for listening. Go give her a follow. If you're not already following her, give me a follow. Love to chat with you in the comments, whether it's YouTube, DMs, anything like that. Always feel free to send me a message. And I'll see you on the next episode. Later, guys.